Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. We've been in a series of conversations over the last several weeks, and we're actually going to be wrapping this up today, um, called When God Doesn't Make Sense. Because if we're being honest, and a lot of Christians don't want to be honest about this because it doesn't help um, the, um, the marketability of what it is that we're trying to promote, but if we're just being honest, there's a lot of seasons and moments and days in our life when God just straight up doesn't make sense. Amen. There are moments when, when we struggle trying to wrap our brains around why God is doing what he's doing. And so far throughout the course of these conversations, we've talked about what it's like when God seems inattentive, like he doesn't care. You're asking for stuff and it's, there's nothing, no, no response, nothing, no, there's nothing happening. It's almost like he, he's not even interested. And if you weren't here for that, make sure you get online and watch week one of this series. It was really, really important and foundational for the rest of these conversations. In week two, we talked about what it's like when God seems late and how often God does very intentionally run late because his schedule is not your schedule and our schedule is not his schedule. And so often we miss out on the fact that God's doing something on his timetable that's not on our timetable, but it's a way better timetable than we could ever ask or imagine for ourselves and then if you were here last week we talked about when God seems uncooperative you're asking for something and God's saying nope not gonna do that what do you do when God says no this morning what I want to do is I want to flip the script on that conversation just a little bit because the running theme throughout all of these conversations has been this when we ask God for something and he doesn't respond in a way that makes sense to us but what about when God asks us something? When God asks us to do something, when God asks us to go somewhere, when God asks us to have a certain conversation, and whatever it is he's asking us to do doesn't make sense. I think this happens more often than not. God says, I want you to do something, and you go, I don't think I'm hearing you clearly. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, and I gotta tell you, um, I had... Um, the run of the pickings for all of the, the illustrations that I could absolutely utilize and use for this particular um, conversation. And the reason for that is, is because the Bible is chock full of examples of when God asks someone to do something and they have to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense, right? You go back and you look at Noah. God says, hey, I want you to build a boat. Noah says, what's a boat? It's what you float on when water rises from the rain. What's rain? See there? It doesn't make a lot of sense, right? God says to Moses, hey, I know you're on the run from the law, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and face the law. And when you face the law, I don't want you to only answer for your crimes, but I want you to, in the face of people who are telling you no, I want you to say that God has sent you to set my people free. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. God says to David, hey, I want you to go and I want you to kill that giant that's over there on the other side of that valley. And David's like, well, I don't have any military experience. David's like, well, I, I've never even been in the military. God's going, I know, but I want you to be obedient even when it doesn't make 
sense. He says to Ezekiel, hey, I want you to go to preach, but I don't want you to preach to a big crowd. I want you to go to a, a graveyard and preach. I want you to go and preach to dry bones. And Ezekiel's like, well, it doesn't do me a lot of good to preach and prophesy to dry bones. And God says, you don't worry about that. Even though it doesn't make sense, I'm doing something that you can't see. So Ezekiel goes and has to be obedient when it doesn't make sense and preach to dry bones. For the record, in case you haven't heard that story, they come back to life. Because even though God's asking him to do something that doesn't make sense, it may not make sense to him, but it makes complete sense to our Father in heaven. Over and over and over again, God says to Nehemiah, build a wall. When everybody else is saying, this is stupid, you shouldn't build this wall. God says to Jonah, I want you to go and preach to the terrorists over in Nineveh. And, and Jonah's like, I don't want to do it. And, and God's asking him to do something that doesn't make sense. So often in your life and my life, when God asks us to do something, obedience doesn't make any sense. And after studying for this particular conversation, I've come to a conclusion. You may not agree with this, but I'm pretty dead set on this is my theology. There's not a thing that God asks you to do in this world, and there's not an instance in Scripture when God asks someone to do something that makes sense. In fact, 99.99999% of the time, and I haven't found the 0.1% yet, obedience to God's commands almost always never makes sense. So I started pondering this question, why in the world does God always tell us to do things that makes no sense on our end? And, and it's, it's really, really simple. It's that if it made sense, you would have already done it, right? God doesn't need to ask you to do something that you already know to do. The reason that God speaks up and makes his voice visible and known is because you wouldn't have thought of it yourself because it doesn't make sense to you. The reason that God says, hey, I want you to build a boat is because Noah's going, I don't know what a boat is. It doesn't make any sense to him. The reason that God says, hey, I want you to go and preach to dry bones is because you would never go and preach to dry bones on your own. Every time God asks you to do something, it's because he's having to get you to do something that you would never have done without him asking you. Obedience to the Lord will never make sense. But let me show you why obedience, in spite of it not making sense, makes all the sense in the world. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the New Testament gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. And again, I could have picked a lot of different illustrative passages for this particular conversation, but Luke chapter 5 does something and shows us something in particular that I want to make sure that nobody misses out on this morning. Luke chapter 5, picking up verse verse 1, this is the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's just recruiting his disciples, and this is the account where he picks up a few fishermen to follow him. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are going to be on the screens for you, but please stop by our resource center before you leave today and grab a Bible. They're free of charge. They're our gift to you. We want you studying God's word for yourself. Luke chapter 5 verse 1 says this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. It goes on. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Finished. Done. It worked all night. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to a guy named Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, why don't you put put it out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch? Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. See, Jesus asked Simon to do something that didn't make any sense. He had been all over that lake. 
He had spent hours all over that lake. He had been doing exactly what he was an expert and knew how to do. And now this random carpenter who was a wannabe rabbi who had never fished a day in his life comes and tells him how he's supposed to fish. Doesn't make any sense at all. But look how he responds. But because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. I will let down the nets. Not because it makes sense, not because it even remotely adds up in my mind, but because you say so, I will. This is Simon Peter being obedient in the face of the reality that it doesn't make any sense to him at all. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. God begins to, to pour out and do the miraculous right in the middle of someone's faithfulness and obedience. And just in case you're wondering, that's when God does his best work, when his people are yielded to his purposes in the world. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled up both boats so full that both boats began to sink, right? Over and, and, and abundant beyond what they could have ever asked for or imagined for themselves. See, here's one of the things I'm learning about following Jesus. Jesus never does what I want him to do, ever. But he always does far greater than I could have ever imagined for myself, right? Like when I make the decision to do something, he never responds in the way I want him to respond. But he always responds in a way that is far greater than I could have ever dreamed he would respond, right? The abundance is far greater than I could have ever asked for. And that's exactly what we see taking place in this particular passage. Now look at the response. When Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Felt conviction about who he was in the presence of who Jesus was. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. I want you to pay, pay, pay close attention to this. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Their act of obedience not only unlocked momentary blessing, but it unlocked lifelong calling for the rest of their days, right? A momentary act of obedience not only unlocked momentary blessings, but it unlocked a future that they could have never dreamed or asked for themselves. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Obedience isn't meant to make sense to you. Obedience allows the power of God to work through you. Obedience isn't meant to make sense to you. Obedience allows the power of God to work through you. God says, I want to do the supernatural, but I want to do the supernatural through the natural. I want to do the supernatural through everyday, ordinary, normal jokers. I want to do things that they could have never asked for or imagined on their own. I want to accomplish the supernatural in their lives. But the way I accomplish the supernatural in their lives is for them to yield themselves and be willing to be obedient whenever I ask them to do something that doesn't make sense. God had a boat prepared to save humanity when the flood came, but it was a result of Noah being faithful and obedient 
obedient when God said build the ark a hundred years before it ever started to rain. God raised the dead and allowed dry bones to come to life. But the supernatural took place because there was a guy that was willing to go and preach at a cemetery. God put a calling on Peter's life and on James's life and on John's life that they could have never asked for or imagined. But it was only made possible because they were willing to drop their nets into the water one more time even when it didn't make sense. You see, over and over again, God's saying, I want to do the supernatural. I want to do the miraculous. I want to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask for or imagine in your life. But it will require you being obedient when it doesn't make sense to anybody else or you. And in Peter's case, he not only benefited with a catch, he benefited with a calling that lasted for a long, long, long time. See, God's saying to you and saying to me, stop trying to get me to fit into your box. Stop trying to make it make sense. Stop trying to figure out the results and try to make it all line up. Because you being obedient will never make sense to you. And that's okay. Because it's not meant to make sense to you. It's meant to unlock something that you couldn't unlock for yourself. And that's the power of God through you. In your life. Six months ago, we as a church made the decision to be obedient. Obedient. But you got to know the obedience didn't make any sense to anybody. So everybody came and asked me to try to make sense of the obedience. And I'm a smooth talking shyster, so I do my dead level best to try to explain away what it is that we're doing. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I had a rough time on this one because I had to explain to people why we were moving our church out of the suburbs and into the city moving out of an area where the average median income was $80,000 to an average median income of $20,000. I had to explain to people why we were killing all the, the fluff and the hype and the service order and the plans and all the details and giving it all up to just gather in the presence of God and spend time soaking up His presence. I had to explain to people, sound guys and light guys still hate us. They don't, it doesn't make any sense what we're doing, why we would put all our chairs all the way around and put the stage right here in the middle. That doesn't make sense to anybody. I'm looking at you guys right now. You know what they're looking at? My hind end. And it ain't that nice. It doesn't make any sense. Why would we do it this way? Churches for hundreds of years have done church a certain way. They've lined it up a certain way. It looks a certain way. You go to certain areas. There's, there's metrics and, and, and strategies and conferences on how you can grow and make it work the way that you want it to work and make it excel and exceed. And we basically took all that and like threw it up against the wall and broke it all and said, the heck with it. We're going to do what God told us to do instead, right? We're going to be obedient in the face of adversity even when it doesn't make any sense. Now, hang on. Hang on, because I'm going to need you to clap in a minute. It's easy to clap right there. Hang on. And we don't know if it's going to work. We don't, we, don't, we don't know. Legitimately, like, like, like we don't know if this is going to be like the next big thing. We don't know if this is going to draw a big crowd. We don't know if it's going to be super popular. We don't know if people are going to like what it is that we're doing. We don't know if it's going to make sense. We don't know if, if what we are doing by being obedient is going to be popular and, and copacetic in our community. But here's what we've decided as a church. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. We're not worried about what the outcome is. We're not worried about how it turns out. We're not worried about where it ends up. And I know that doesn't, that doesn't sound like a really good leader. It's probably not. 
It's probably not great leadership. It's probably not a very strategic thinking organization. In fact, I would make the argument we are the polar opposite of a strategic thinking organization. Right? We're literally doing everything we can to not grow (laughs) as a church. But dang, if we're not being faithful and obedient in the process. And it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Right? I told somebody the other day, they said, how do you guys kick off your service? We really love, like we were watching online and we love how you guys got the circle and all that stuff. And everybody loves what we're doing until they hear what we're doing and they decide I don't want to be a part of what we're doing at all. But they were like, so how do you guys kick off your service? I was like, well, we tell people to, to get up and, and tell random stuff to strangers. Like we ask people to stand up and find people they don't know and talk to them for a while. Like, hello, good morning. No, 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 no. Like we literally get them to discuss a question. You make strangers talk to each other? What about the introverts? Yeah, we make them do it too. Well, if you make people uncomfortable, aren't they going to not want to come back? I said, probably. I said, but you think that's bad. We make them face each other all worship long. I said, and if you think that's bad, we put a band on stage and put their backs to the crowd. We have them facing in. They're leading worship to each other. And the only people that you can see the faces of are other people in the room. And they said, well, that's a terrible idea. You're making everybody uncomfortable. People should have a sense of anonymity. People shouldn't have forced vulnerability. People shouldn't, people shouldn't, people shouldn't. You're starting to see the pattern here. It doesn't make sense. But I'm just convinced that when you are obedient, when it doesn't make sense, that's when the supernatural begins to happen. See, see, I I want you to hear me say this. The story of Hope City Church one day will not be we executed this strategy we did this plan we operated with this model it won't be the story of hope city church will be i don't have a clue but god i don't have a clue but god right people ask me all the time how are you guys doing what you're doing i don't know i have no idea no idea but god and that scares a lot of people and i get that no no shade no knock on them there's people that aren't down with that, and that's, that's okay. That's where they're at in life. But you got to know, as a church, we made the decision to operate in obedience despite it making sense because we're just convinced that's when the supernatural is unlocked. That's when we begin to see the miraculous take place. I want to read you one more passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to get you out of here because I'm already one minute late. One more passage of Scripture. It's the Gospel of John, chapter 21. John, chapter 21. This is a very similar passage of Scripture. In fact, a lot of people blend these two stories together when they're telling the story because they think they're the same story. But one story takes place at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This story takes place long after Jesus has started his ministry. In fact, he has already been betrayed, crucified, resurrected from the dead, and this is where we pick up this particular account. John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared to, uh, again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, remember him? Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there. Basically the original crowd that we read from in Luke chapter 5. We're all there. And Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Because what do you do when you feel bad about betraying your Messiah? What do you do when you feel bad about decisions you've made? What do you do after you cuss out a middle school girl swearing that you don't know Jesus? What do you do? You go fish, right? 
That's what all guys do when they feel bad or they're processing things or they need to deal with stuff. They go fish or whatever your version of going fishing is. You go off and do something mindless that takes no work, no effort at all, just so you can process whatever it is that's going on in your mind. I'm going out to fish, Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Don't you hate that? You're trying to have a moment alone. You're just trying to go do your deal, get away from everybody. Y'all say, I'm going to fish. Oh, we're coming too. Well, right? We'll go with you. So here we go. We got them all out there together again. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Sounds awful familiar, doesn't it? To Luke chapter 5. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net, I love this, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. You can imagine how frustrating this statement was. They've been out fishing all night. I'm sure they didn't just fish on the left-hand side of the boat. They fished on the right-hand side of the boat. They had been fishing on the left, on the right, on the end, on the back. They'd been fishing all over and hadn't caught nothing. And then this numbskull walks up and says, you should try the right side. I wouldn't have responded like they did. But look what it says. When they did. When they did. There was no dialogue. There was no conversation. There was no, well, what is he talking about? Why would he? There, there, none of that. There was no conversation. They did it. And they didn't even know yet that the person on the shore was Jesus. Robbie, what are you trying to say? Jesus had gotten them so accustomed to operating in such a way of obedience that God pours out the supernatural in their midst, that they did what they weren't comfortable or what didn't make sense on their own because they knew the power of God was with them, right? When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's Jesus, it's the Lord. Y'all remember this fish trick he did a few years ago? happening all over again as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water he had a reunion with his master right he operated in the reality that obedience precedes abundance he operated in the reality that obedience to Jesus unlocks the miraculous. And even when Jesus isn't there, even when you can't see him, even when it doesn't make a lot of sense, you still operate in obedience. You still operate in faithfulness because it's only through faithfulness and obedience do you get to see the supernatural unlocked in your life. The reason I wanted to read both of those passages to you is because in one passage, you've got Peter going, well, I mean, we've been doing it all night, and I don't, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. We'll just, we'll do it because you say so, but it don't make no sense. By year three, they are operating in the world of everything we do doesn't make sense. We move, we breathe, we act, we operate in the world of it doesn't make sense because this is how the supernatural is unlocked. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be to be the disciples after Jesus ascends to heaven 
They're walking up into the temple. They see a lame man asking for money. They don't have any money, but instead they look at him and say, we don't have silver, we don't have gold, but what we have we give freely. Get up and walk. Can you imagine how terrifying that was? Because that statement didn't make any sense. But they operated as if obedience unlocked the miraculous. Why? Because it flipping does. Right? Because when you start operating in obedience, lame men get up and start walking. When you start operating in obedience, dry bones come to life. When you start operating in obedience, your nets are so full that you don't have the capacity to bring them all in. When you start operating in obedience, God begins to do what you could have never asked or imagined for yourself. But it will never happen until you are obedient. This is why I hammer on at our church. I hammer on. If you're not serving the Lord through the local church, if you're not volunteering, if you're not involved, get involved. You say, well, I don't have time. It's not really a good fit for my life right now. It doesn't make sense. Get involved anyway. Why? Because God will do something in your involvement that you could have never asked or imagined for yourself. It's why I tell people all the time you should give generously through the local church and be generous to those around you with your finances. Because God wants to do something in and through you that you could have never done for yourself. And if you're not willing to do that, then you'll never experience God's blessings and God's goodness the way that he wants you to experience them. It's why I beg and plead with people don't be disobedient just because it doesn't make sense because in so doing you seclude yourself from God's plan and purpose for your life but God desires obedience from you because he is for you see people think that God's some cosmic killjoy up in the sky that just wants to ruin all our fun and whenever he asks us to be obedient it's just because he wants to ruin our life No, 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 no. It's because he knows that you are the creation and he's the creator and he knows more about you than you know about yourself. And if you would take a moment to listen to him and be obedient to him, you could experience life the way he meant for you to experience it. Start being obedient because God is for you and wants the best for you. So I don't know what the application is for you today. Some of you have been putting off making the decision to start following Jesus with your life accepting what he did on the cross on your behalf, and today you need to be obedient to the call. Some of you have been putting off being generous with your resources because you're struggling, because you don't have a lot, because you don't feel like you have a lot to offer, and you need to start being obedient today to experience God's blessings in your life. Some of you have been putting off that conversation that you've been needing to have, and, and you know that it's, it, there's a, a relational disconnect and reconciliation needs to take place, but you just don't want to do that. You don't want to have that conversation. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult, but you know God's asking you to, and I'm just telling you, if you'd make the decision to be obedient today, God would unlock the supernatural in that relationship. Some of you need to do whatever it is that you need to do, and I don't know what it is that you need to do, but whatever it is, you need to go be obedient. Because when God's church begins to start operating in obedience, God's blessings begin to start flowing in and through God's church. So stop just coming to church. Stop just hanging out listening to Christian radio. Stop just being a part of Christian subculture. And start living and operating and acting in obedience to your heavenly father because when you do he is going to rock your world and the world around you so let's make the commitment today when we leave this place we will be people who operate in obedience when it doesn't make sense because we know that's when God shows off God we love you and we thank you for the cry that you have given to us this morning, for the plea that you have given to us this morning, for the call that you have given to us this morning. And we ask 
for you to give us supernatural boldness and wisdom to be obedient to what you are asking of us. And we'll give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.